0: Head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitinor, founder of leading Australian podcast agency, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week... Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Has your entrepreneurial journey ever felt like being on the edge of a cliff? You can either stay put in your comfort zone or jump. Jumping is exactly what today's guest, Nicole Liu, did when she founded her company, Kim Fertility. As the first subscription service for the contraceptive pill in Australia, Kim Fertility is now helping thousands of women navigate the turbulent waters of reproductive health. In this heartwarming episode, Nicole shares why an incorrect reproductive diagnosis spurred her to start breaking down fertility taboos, how one-chance conversation changed her life path, and why we should be leaning into imposter syndrome. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, welcome Nicole. Nicole. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Amazing. You know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work that you're doing in the health tech space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Amazing. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: So um, I'm the founder of Kin Fertility, and Kin is a place where essentially like we're trying to empower women to um, take control of the decisions that impact their body and their reproductive health. Um, and so that spans a lot of things, but we actually started with launching Australia's first subscription service, for the contraceptive pill. Um, and ever since then, we've sort of like started to look into things in fertility, um, conception, pregnancy and postpartum, so a whole range of things at the moment.
0: Ah, oh, it's so exciting, Nicole. You and I have been trying to get on a podcast for such a long time and I've looked into your business yonks ago, but now hearing it back from you, it, it just sounds so, yeah, so, so cool. And I can't wait to dive deeper into that. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, what did your parents do and how has this impacted <laughs> the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far?
1: yeah so um essentially my parents were first generation immigrants and um they basically spoke like pretty broken english so in order to make a living in australia um they actually just had to start their own businesses um and so they sort of like had a whole array of businesses and they almost like changed every two or so years um and so growing up i saw them working on like you know selling computer and it systems um at some point, they were like running an Italian franchise, um, selling pizza and pasta. Um, they were running a post office at a time and they were like installing curtains. Um, the main one that they had for a while was actually like um, like uh, selling uniforms and doing the embroidery on the uniforms and the clothes. Um, and then eventually my mom also became like a daigo selling Australian goods to China. Um, so growing up, it was sort of like always this little adventure of like going wherever they worked, and I'm like, I actually really loved it, and like being their little helper, um obviously like paid somewhat, but um <laughs> I literally used to serve like pizza um to to customers and like help out in the embroidery factories and actually like put to put like um fabric into the machines and I absolutely loved it, and I think that's sort of like um where my itch for building businesses and just like starting things fresh. Um, came from. Um, but the thing is, like my parents hated it, um, not because like they hated working in the businesses, but it was actually often so um, unstable because like some businesses would be a great success and they would like get a return on it, but a lot of them would also fail. Um, and so it was never it was so volatile for them in terms of like making a living that they never wanted me to do that for myself. Um, and they wanted me to have like a stable, you know, corporate job from a good Um, brand name and just like have a stable career, Um, which is like kind of how I started out my career because that's sort of like the way they push me. Um, But then I think like being as stubborn as I am and as stubborn as I still am, um, I think like I always, (laughs) I was like, oh, they don't want me to do it, I should do it. Um, And so eventually probably just like turned around and I was like, look, this is still something I want to do. I'm just going to give it a crack.
0: I absolutely love that and I love asking that question because I think (laughs) it does just – it's what happens when we're children and what our parents do. I feel like that is just like embedded into our like psyche almost and it's just so interesting to hear that, yeah, your parents were like – business owners through and through and they were hustlers. And I think, you know, <laughs> especially as, you know, immigrant parents, it's almost like a necessity. You know, what do you think that hustle mentality, um, you know, you mentioned that it, it fueled you to ultimately want to do your own thing, but what do you think that taught you at such a young age, you know, when you were helping them out, trying to figure it all out? What did that teach you about yourself? And then I guess How do you think that carried through even when you were heading into corporate and university, et cetera?
1: I think, like, a couple of things. Like, I've never – I grew up, like, never seeing my parents, um, like, take a day off. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, I think the first thing was definitely, like, work ethic and, like, the sort of, like, hustle they had behind them but just, like, the pure determination to, like, see something through um, and the grit that it takes to do that and just, like, watching them time and time again, like – Um, like have successes but also like when things fail they would just like pick themselves up again start something completely different um, find new business partners to do it with somehow find like uh, financing to do it and just like power through Um, and I think that pure grit and determination probably like got um, I guess I can't like inherit it but like you definitely learn it by osmosis just by watching that Um, and then I think the second thing was just like kind of like a I guess like as we're kind of watching them Um, build all these businesses and, like, get their hands dirty um, and doing that kind of alongside them in a very small and, like, um, insignificant way. um, I think it just, like, built my passion for, like, actually doing stuff and building stuff from the ground up. Like, one of my, (laughs) this sounds really silly, but, like, one of my um, sort of, like, random dreams um, or hobbies is, like, I love interior design and I love renovations And, like, I think, about that sometimes and I'm like I actually think I just like building stuff with my hands um like I actually do want to knock houses down and like build it back up and like paint it um and I think I feel the same way about businesses and I feel that probably like stems from watching them literally start from nothing um to building a business to having employees to like having something to like do every day um and like having something tangible to build up from nothing yeah I don't know I think that that sort of like come from them alone as well
0: So, you know, as the story goes, you dived into, I think it was UNSW, you did a Bachelor of Commerce. There's no surprise there, business, um, but (laughs) finance and and economics, you know, talk to us a little bit about what your university days were like, you know, and Mm -hmm. I guess what they taught you about yourself and the world around you.
1: Yeah. So, um, so I did the Bachelor of Commerce, like you mentioned, I was actually part of this, um, I guess they, they call it like a scholarship program. Um called the co-op program, which is like um, basically you get work experience and a uni degree at the same time. Um, and as part of that, um, what it meant was like you were working while you were studying. And so um I had a couple of internships, um, primarily for a whole year full-time in investment banking. Um, and I was juggling that while doing like night school um and a couple of subjects um in uni. And so straight away from like um sort of like first year to third year. Um, already having that work experience and already having that hands-on experience um, meant that to, to be honest, like you just start applying a lot of the things you learn in uni and start learning a lot of the soft skills you need for work. Um, and that was super, super valuable. And I think um led me to realize that I probably learn better outside the classroom than I do inside the classroom. Um, and it was actually really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as part of the scholarship program, um, you actually have to complete an honors. I got to the end of the program where I had to do that and I I didn't feel like it was right for me Um, and so I actually ended up dropping out of the scholarship and I think that was actually one of the most like significant moments in my life where I've learned something for myself because like I actually had to go against um, the grain and like go against what everyone else was telling me to do um, but trust my gut on like what I thought was right for me Um, and so in my last year of uni I actually dropped out of the scholarship program it meant I had to pay like stupid sum of money back um and we weren't like super wealthy back then everyone was telling me I was nuts and like throwing away a really good path um but I felt in my gut that I really wanted to do that and I ended up going to get other work experience in a venture capital job um in reinventure and that was when I first got my like uh I guess exposure first exposure into startups and that's like I loved it, absolutely fell in love. And I think that's sort of ultimately contributed to wanting to start my own thing, but also just like being in love with sort of like technology and um, starting something um, even more. And I think taking that experience with me, um, even when I went through corporate, uh, allowed me to know when I wanted to leave as well. Um, so I think like the biggest thing I learned was actually like building that muscle to take the risk. And I think like every other time I've been in a crossroad at my life, Um, because that first like version of it worked out so well I think it's like made me feel better um, to leave the safe lane and take a bet on myself again Um, because there is downside but there's also upside and so like if you're chasing that rather than staying safe um, that felt a lot more comfortable because I've used that muscle Mm -hmm. before.
0: I love how you call it a muscle (laughs) it's just it's just so so true. I do have a question around that though like how did you gain the courage to do that mm. it's a massive leap you know you're probably like early 20s you don't really <laughs> know what the world is about yeah you had a bit of experience but like this is like such a prestigious program etc cetera, etc cetera. like how can we gain the courage to listen to our gut and follow that
1: mm. I think like um the first version of this is like I just really didn't think I worked well in the classroom like I hated being stuck um I hated feeling like, and like I respect a lot of people who do like postgrad and like get those qualifications it's just not right for me um whereas like I was so excited being in the workplace I was so excited learning new things every day and like having a challenge to actually work on and like have an impact um but in the classroom I didn't get that and like I didn't feel that that was right for me and I think like having those two opposing sides where I was like I'm going to spend a year um, literally dedicating myself to being in this room and like learning something on paper um, that just like wasn't for me and it didn't se- feel like me um, and I think even the thought of it was so like scary um, and that scared me more than the thought of like dropping el- everything else and so I think like weighing those two up I think just taking a stab at like backing myself was like something i really wanted to do actually no um i did get really good advice at the time from one of my friends and she was like actually there's no right or wrong decision there's just a decision and you've got to make it work and i think that actually gave me the courage to leave because i was like well i'm never going to know if staying and doing any honors is a better path for me but what i can know is that i can leave and go and figure out how to make it the best path i can possibly make it and that's in my control and so i think knowing that and knowing that I could actually control that path a little bit better and like knowing that it's not just the world is just gonna like take me for a ride and I'm not gonna know what's gonna happen made me a little bit more comfortable because like it was just up to me.
0: How can we get more comfortable when we're sitting in uncertainty?
1: Yeah, good question. I don't know, like I think part of it is you have to almost like have a like certain amount of trust in yourself. Um, like there is a lot of uncertainty and the uncertainty comes from an environment that you can't control. Um, and so the only thing you can control is how you respond to it and how you like take the opportunities that come to you and what you do with that. And so, like, having a certain amount of confidence that actually, you know, like I don't know everything. Um, and I don't have all the skills I need to have, but I trust that, like, as challenges present themselves, as like opportunities present themselves, I trust that I can do my best to make the best decisions at those times and like take the right actions or the best actions that I know um, to take at the time. And if nothing else, you just learn. Um, Even if you fail through those uncertainties, like it's an adventure. Um, You'll learn something. And like if you stay in the safe lane and like you don't move out of your comfort zone, you'll just never grow and you'll never learn those things. Um, And you're kind of like, see it from the sidelines, but it's so different, like actually experiencing it actually like, um, it's like, if you never touch boiling water, you'll never know it's hot. um, And so like, you'll never know not to make that mistake. And I'm very much like an experiential learner. So like, I think that was what got me a little bit more comfortable um, doing that.
0: I love that analogy. Amazing. So after you, you know, did the drastic thing and like quit your Um, scholarship year, you said you went out to work for a venture capitalist. You know, at what point did you then dive deeper into corporate? And I think you started out um, at McKinsey, so like a massive consulting company. You were there for like two and a half years or something like that. Talk to us a little bit about that shift there to go from VC, which is like something that you fell in love with immediately, to like (laughs) hardcore like corporate environment.
1: Yeah, so – Um, I did venture capital for a year I was an intern there and um, I absolutely loved it like I basically loved like talking to all the founders loved seeing all the different companies I was obsessed with like all this new technology like AI and um, machine learning like was huge um, back then as it is now but it was like a growing new thing back then and so it was like cryptocurrency and I was like in a fintech kind of like venture capital um so it was super exciting. I think I got to the end of that year and I felt like I wasn't contributing. Um, Not in the sense that I didn't have the opportunities to, but I actually just didn't have the experience or the know-how. Um, and I felt like I was trying to advise startups uh, when I had no foot to stand on because um, I hadn't had the experience. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm like reading all these books, but like I hadn't done it myself. So like what was i actually talking about and so i wanted to get some real world experience and at the time i had actually signed on to join an investment bank um, because that was like the great offer i got um off the back of the internships um, that i had done and it was a safe offer and it was like a good offer um and it was what my parents also wanted and they were happy with that so i it, like seemed like a easy thing to start with and like i think in my mind i was like let's go get some corporate experience and then like i have the opportunity to come out later But we had invested into a guy um, in this venture capital firm who had done uh, McKinsey, but also had been in investment banking. And he had heard some stuff about me, I think just like from my bosses. And we had a retreat where he was there with the venture capital firm. And he came up to me and he was like, hey, um, look, I don't really know you, but like, I think you're making the biggest mistake of your life. (laughs) And I was like, hi, my name's Nicole. Lovely to meet you. (laughs) Um, um and he was like look um what do you want to do with your life <laughs> and i was like look i think VC is really interesting but i probably want to start something of my own eventually and he was like cool. cool 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 um how does investment banking help you with that and like to be honest i thought i had an answer for that like i thought um i believed and i genuinely still like it wasn't untrue but like i thought that it would be challenging and it would like teach me a lot and it would um you know, like, teach me work ethic and determination and a lot of like things around finance as well. Um, But in my heart of hearts, I knew I wasn't that like passionate about finance Um, and it didn't help that I also wasn't good at math. So I don't know what I was thinking, but he kind of like had seen this thing and he was like, look, investment banking would be really helpful, but like, have you also considered consulting before? Um, And I hadn't heard of it at all before. Um, It was just like, it wasn't really that popular um, around my circle in uni. And I was like, no, I haven't heard of it. And he was like, oh, it's a thing where, you know, you can solve problems and you'll solve business problems and you'll learn strategy and operations. And basically, like, it'll help you um, learn all of the skills you need to be an all round to start a business. And I was like, oh, that actually sounds pretty good. But I've already signed um, this investment banking offer. Like, I don't know if I should just, like, take away. Um, but anyway, he kind of, like, talked to me for an hour about this, like, consulting thing. Um, and he was just like, look, you should, like, consider it. Um, it's not too late, like it's just another option that you probably didn't know you had um, and just have a think about it. And I kind of pondered throughout the whole day and it got to like midnight that same night and I just texted him and I was like, tell me what I've got to do because I want to give it a go. Um, and I figured that, you know, like I had nothing to lose and if this was actually a better path, I would find out through the interview process um, and if I really liked it and I also had the like ability to get in then, like, at least that option was open for me and, like, I could open up that option. So I took the leap, did the interviews, got the offer and decided that I actually really enjoyed the, like, interview process. It was really fun, a lot of problem-solving. Didn't seem like there was as much, like, maths involved or finance involved. Um, yeah. So I made the leap and went into consulting.
0: It's such a fascinating story, and it? I, I just love that it was this one person that you didn't even know <laughs> came in and just, like, questioned your life choice. <laughs> You know, I think at that stage in our lives where we can often be either two ways, very confused about exactly (laughs) what that next step is, or just like hell bent on like, I'm going to be the CEO and I'm going to start out and blah, 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 you know, um, I was definitely the latter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But how can we gain clarity on what it is that we actually want to do? Perhaps not forever, but just to gain, I guess, a foundation.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's really important to, like, just talk to as many people as possible. Like, I had the same experience when I left consulting to, like, find out what I wanted to do next. And I think you do this, like, I don't know, I always go through a process of just, like, talking to as many people um as possible, or just, like, reading as much as possible. And then you kind of just, like, sit back and gauge your energy levels. Like, I know you can do like pros and cons and like logicize everything, but I'm very much like, what does my gut tell me? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would go into like these interviews and then I would sit back after the interview and I'm like, am I exhausted? Am I like, am I, did I leave with more, like more or less energy than I went in with? Um, mm-hmm. Because like you can have like your, you know, per- textbook perfect job in front of you and still come out of an interview, like thinking that, you don't want to be there and that's completely fine but like you need to follow that feeling right so I did that a couple of times where like you know I would be practicing for my interviews um for consulting and every time I would be like so excited coming out of it because I was like I've learned a new skill um or like oh that was really fun like it's like solving a puzzle and I was like oh well if this is the skill I get to use on a day-to-day basis like that's going to be fun um that's not going to be work and I think that's like overall like the more times I almost like force myself to get exposed to it, um, the more comfortable I got because I walked away feeling better.
0: How can we get better at knowing what that feeling actually is? Mm. You know, I think sometimes we can get caught up by, am I just, you know, feeling excited because that means that my parents will then be happy because I've got (laughs) this, you know, or maybe am I feeling drained but like this actually could be beneficial. Like how can we decipher when we're actually feeling like that gut Mm feeling
1: i think it's when you can't stop thinking about it like um in in in, like in a positive way not like a oh did i screw up or did i do this properly it's like oh my god imagine if i could solve this problem oh my god you know what would be great idea like if they did this product or this feature or if they improved this part of their process oh like i wonder if they've thought about and like it's this sounds like dating but it's like if you can't get them out of your head like you probably have feelings for them
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love that I love that. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about after your consulting part. So you've done your deed, you've learnt the goods, you've walked out, and when did you know it was time to leave? And how can we get better at taking the leap into the unknown when we have no idea what we want to do next?
1: Yeah, <laughs> Um, yeah, so the, I, re- I actually remember the exact moment I knew when I wanted to leave was, um, I actually remember it so clearly. Essentially, like a few months before I left, um, I joined this program. Um, it was called the Start May Fellowship. And essentially it was like a program that takes people um out of corporate and tries to get them a job in startups. And as part of the program, we got to go to um San Francisco and basically like meet all these like product founders and all these like um, leaders in um, Silicon Valley and like San Francisco who were running startup. There were so many great things about it, but like the energy, the hype, the excitement, like it was all there. Um, and then there was this guy <laughs> I remember very clearly who was like, you know, I I'm backing the founders that are like building ocean cities, like these are people who are like literally building a city in the ocean in order so that people don't have to go to the moon or something like that. And the idea behind it was like, you know, it would help climate change. They would like depollute the ocean. Um, And it was just like, there's a mission behind it. There's like impact behind it. Like they're doing something for a reason. Um, And it was huge, like they're doing, like trying to build a city in the ocean, like That's an ambition I've never even thought to have. Um, and so I kind of like walked away from Silicon Valley being like, what is this place? Like people think so big, people are so passionate. People are like so ambitious. Um, and I was like, this is so cool. Like this is what I want to do. Like the energy was so like infectious. Mm. Um, believe the hype like Silicon Valley is really cool anyway um, so I come back to Australia um, and I go back to work and I like I had never done this in like my whole um, consulting career but like that day I came back um, one of my tasks was to basically reconcile an excel sheet um, and basically like reconcile a budget um, and they were like can you get this number to equal this number on two cells and I was like what am I doing with my life? Like, what what am I doing here? And I think that was the moment where I was like, I don't think, like, I actually don't think I want to do this long-term. Not because like the job wasn't amazing. Like I learned so much and I love the challenges, but I actually realized that I didn't want to advise anymore. I wanted to actually be in the action. I wanted to like be closer to the customer. I wanted to build the thing rather than tell people how to build the thing. Um, And so I think that after that moment um kind of shook me I was like okay I think I need to leave um and the way I actually like had left without any job um I just like knew that I wanted to spend a bit of time finding um finding something I think part of leaving um a safe job is like you're kind of scared of the um like what we talked about like we're scared of the uncertainty we're scared of almost like failing um as well like what if you're leaving a really good path and you screw it all up? Um, yeah. And the opposite of that, I guess, for me, was like, act- I was actually scared of like, the certainty. Um, I was a little bit scared that I kind of knew what was coming um, and that uh, it wasn't that it wasn't even a good path. It was just the fact that it was a predictable one. Um, and that felt much less exciting for me. Um, and I felt like if I went too far down that path, it would be a lot harder to come back and take a different path. Um, and I think that scared me a little bit. And then when I thought about it a little bit more, I was like, okay, well, if I leave, the worst case scenario is that I fail and I fail very publicly and I fail very like terribly. Um, but then I can come back to a similar job. Like I that, I like it's I'm not it's not um binary, right? Like the worst case scenario is that I can come back or that I go to a job that is similar and uses a similar skill set and I do similar things. Like at least then I would know that, you know, that's not for me or, like, I'm not good at it, Um, like, whatever the new thing I'm doing is. And I would have an adventure. I would have new stories to tell. It would be, like, I'd have new learnings and, like, different, you know, just different things that I could, like, use and have in my arsenal to then, like, bring back to the same job. Um, and maybe that might actually make me a better person and make me a better worker. And I might be two years behind, but you know what? Like, two years in the grand scheme of things is nothing. Um, And I think like that sort of like thinking when I was like, okay, worst case scenario is that I'm literally right back where I started. Is that the worst thing? Like, not really. And I think that like all of a sudden made it a lot less scary um, and made it a lot easier to then like take the leap to just like take the chance because you kind of have upside um, and then the downside is like start again.
0: Start again. (laughs) Oh, how many times we do that in business (laughs) and in life. So yeah. I want to dive. This is just so fascinating. I'm absolutely loving it. I want to dive into Kin now. I want to talk about where the idea came from, how you kind of unpacked um, it, and then what were those first few steps that you took to really get it off the ground?
1: Yeah. So when I had left consulting, um, I went to try and get my health in order. Um, as you do and uh one of the things I actually found out um from like a fertility specialist friend of mine that I did the program with he was like oh you can do this fertility test and it'll help you like understand your ovarian reserve um and just like just like your fertility in general and I was like oh cool I'm curious I'm just going to get this test done along with all my other tests and um, I did the test came back and in a two-minute consult I got told that uh, I had a reproductive condition called polycystic ovary syndrome, and that I would be infertile. Um, oh. And I walked away with that and not much else. And I think like for a good two to three weeks, I like didn't really tell anyone about it besides my partner, um, not even my mom. And I just walked away with the knowledge that I would never have kids. And I was 24 at the time. Um, And I was nowhere near thinking about having kids. Like, I thought I wanted kids when I was, like, 35, 40. Like, I was just so far away from it. Um, But the fact that I didn't have the option anymore or I was told I didn't have the option anymore, that was, like, terrifying and, like, quite saddening as well. Um, So I spent a lot of time... Uh, on the internet looking up like polycystic ovary syndrome and there's like so much conflicting advice so many conflicting things and so I ended up getting the courage to talk to my like fertility specialist friend and I showed him my results and I was like can you just tell me what this means and he looks at it and he's like you don't have polycystic ovary syndrome and just to be clear even if you did you wouldn't necessarily be infertile um and so in like so I found out I was misdiagnosed um, and I found out that the information that I was provided wasn't necessarily true. Wow. And it's like, it's so hard to turn around and blame the GP because like, they have so many things they have to be across. Um, but I think it like highlighted a broader thing, which was like, why don't we know more about fertility? Which is something that like every woman goes through and or like a lot of women have to think about whether they want mm-hmm. kids or not. Um, and yeah. then I started talking to my friends about it because I was like, this was like, this was just weird. Um, And the weirdest thing to hear back when you have like something weird happen to you is like me too. Mm -hmm. And I had friends that were like, oh, my friend also got misdiagnosed. My friend didn't get diagnosed for 10 years. My friend had endometriosis but didn't know about it for like ages. Um, And then you find out about like friends having miscarriages and it was just like it opened up a whole can of worms. And I think I took a step back and I was like, why don't we talk about this stuff? Like why isn't this part of normal conversation? Why did I feel so bad about like telling people that I couldn't have children um I think that just started a whole journey for me where I was like this is just so stigmatized we don't talk about it no one realizes it's a problem until you actually talk about it um no one thinks about it as a problem until like there isn't one so we're not very proactive about it and I think that just started a journey for me where I was like I just want better information I want to, to be like digestible like I don't think I'm dumb but I could not understand half the things that were like on the internet Um, and so um, got my fertility specialist friend um, Vamsi, who became our medical director and brought in a designer and like contracted out a writer and I was like I'm gonna download everything from um, Vamsie's head um, the fertility specialist I'm gonna give that to this like really talented writer she's gonna like transform it into something I can actually read um and the designer is gonna put a beautiful brand around it and like um have like a really nice like vision that resonates with people and like we'll build that together. Um and that was sort of the start of Kim. Um, And we started with guides, which were like just literally like what they sound like, like 2,000 word guides that would break down PCOS, that would break down endometriosis or like age and fertility Um, and would spread it on social media. And that actually went a lot better than I thought. Um, Like I was basically just trying to figure out like, is this just a problem that I have or do people actually care about this stuff? And turns out people care. And so we took the next step, which was like, okay, what can we actually do with this? What do people actually want? Um, and so started actually thinking about like what we would actually build, um, and it turned out to like the the first thing was like um, a subscription service for the contraceptive pill, and tackling the problem of like people like having to go out of their way so many times a year in order to get the pill, um, and often like missing it, and like just so many other things. Um, and that was when we probably became like more of a fully fledged like um, business business, um, and actually like, had to set up and get investment and get a lot more, like, resources in order to build the thing.
0: I just love how you broke that down for us. Like, I feel like I could start a business right now. Like, just you've really broken that down (laughs) into the little steps. And I think it's it's so important. And I love the fact that you started out quite small. You know, you were like, I'm just going to create these guides and, and see what happens. And I think... So many of us can get overwhelmed with this concept of startup and I need to go out there with something with a bang and I have to have all this money and I like whatever. At the crux of it, it's like, let's just see if there's even a problem we can solve here. Yeah. Was there ever a point where you felt like, Oh my goodness. Yes, I'm getting great feedback, but how the hell is this going to be like sustainable, like a, an actual <laughs> business? Like how did you navigate that time?
1: I actually don't think I had a lot of time to think about that. Um, so like to give you a bit of context, we launched in February last year, um, which was a month before the pandemic. Um, so this was when we launched the like contraceptive service. Um, and we went for it and we were like, you know what? Like, um, we're just going to try and build like an amazing experience. Um, and it's healthcare. So you can't really build a super MVP experience. So we like, we spent a couple of months on it. Um, and we were like, we're just going to do it and then see how it goes. And then, If it works well, we'll build around it and we'll try and scale it. Um, But it was February, we launched, um, the PR picked up really quickly, like um, much faster than we expected. So we were already getting a lot more demand than I thought we could handle. And then Mm -hmm. slowly it just kept ticking up. And like, I didn't really understand why, like I knew the pandemic was a thing, but like, I didn't know how serious it was at the time. Um, It was still very nascent, but we just kept seeing the volumes tick up Mm -hmm. and I was just so confused. And then I realized like, and then lockdown happened and then we were like, okay, It's happening. And then you just like keep seeing the volumes rise. And I was like, I don't think we're like prepared for this. And basically I didn't sleep for like the next few months. Basically, like we were running our whole company out of this like small pharmacy um, that wasn't really set up for scale at all. Um, and we were doing way more orders than we can handle. Oz Post all of a sudden had like all these delays um because of COVID. The pill brands (sighs) were running out like nationally, left, right, and center, because like everyone was hoarding or like everyone was like trying to get it before it ran out, um, which caused more hoarding. Um, and then the regulations kept changing because like people were doing the hoarding. And so we had to go from like selling two boxes of pills at a time to having to sell one and like change all our operations, um, around it. So like, we didn't have a lot of, like, there was just like not a lot of time to actually think and like step back and be like, Oh oh crap. Like, what am I doing? Um, because like, it's, contraception so it's not like you know like we can't just be like hey sorry i was postal age your order um or hey sorry like we're out of stock um like there's significant consequences when you're operating in healthcare especially with contraception um and so we were like calling every single patient um, or like messaging every single patient and if we didn't have their pill we we're like okay i'm going to find the nearest pharmacy to you and we're going to get you your pill we're going to get a different pill for you and like wow. send you back to our doctors Um, Like we had to, and like we were so early, like every single patient, as it does now, like mattered. Um, And we treated every single patient as if they were like Mm -hmm. literally, and they were our patients, but like literally our own patients um, and handheld all of them through. It was a really uncertain, really like tough time. Um, And all the while, like we were going through lockdown as well. So the whole team went into lockdown uh, I, like, needed to hire people as well in that time, especially, like, customer success people um, to, like, handle the loads and the tickets coming through um, and operational people. And so we were onboarding people at the same time. Um, And so, like, to launch directly into a pandemic um with no founder experience before that and beforehand, it was just, like, it was wild, and I I'm like glad I did it. It was like an initiation by fire, but it was like definitely by far the like toughest thing I've had to do. And so like I think after that I just like didn't think about it. I was like, if I if I could do that, and we like got through it, kind of barely, mm-hmm. um, but like we got through it. Um, you know what? Like we can handle the rest. Like we can we can do anything after this. Like surely. Um, so uh, yeah, like didn't have a lot of time to think, and then I think off the back of it was just like. I'll take it one step at a time and like whatever happens, I think we'll be fine.
0: (laughs) Wow. I'm almost like speechless. (laughs) That is intense. How do you stay sane during (laughs) a chaotic period?
1: Um, I'm not going to lie. I don't think you do. (laughs) Like I would be lying if I said that I didn't have mental breakdowns every few weeks, Mm -hmm. months, whatever it was, um, that I didn't doubt myself every day, that I didn't like like, you know, uh, work, insane hours that I didn't, like, think that I couldn't do it. But in the midst of it, you also don't really have a choice, as in, like, you could give up, but I cared about the patients we were serving, and, you know, like, I cared about the problem we were solving, Um and I cared about the business. And so, like, I think that just gets you through, even if it is hard. And, you know, like, as each of the problems kept popping up, like, it is it's your baby at the end of the day like if anything goes wrong with your baby you're just like I will go fix it I'm like you get your motherly instincts come in you're like I'll protect this baby at all costs (laughs) and so like those things kicked in and like you were kind of just running on adrenaline um and you know I don't know it was like it was fun it was stressful um but like you do get through it but it doesn't mean you have to stay sane
0: (laughs) (laughs) there you go well Oh my goodness. I I commend you on this. Honestly, <laughs> what an incredible time to launch. And the fact that you guys got through it, just hats off to you. It's absolutely awesome. Thank you. amazing. So look, Nicole, this has been so, so interesting. And I am mindful of your time. You know, over the last kind of two years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. You've received a lot of recognition for your work. You know, and this year you were featured on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. You know, what are the three key pieces of advice that you give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out?
1: Ooh, um, Good question. I think like I actually did get this advice, but I wish I took it to heart more. Um, so the advice I got was just like lean into this imposter syndrome that you have. Like r- before I started and also throughout the whole time I was doing this, um, and I still have this, it's just like you have imposter syndrome. Like you're never going to know how to do the thing, um, especially because everything's going to be on And when you're starting a new business that like no one else has started before um, in the space, in the exact time that you're starting it. And the reason you lean into your imposter syndrome is because like if you know everything, you probably are gonna like you're probably doing it wrong like if you think you know what you're doing, you're probably doing it wrong because like you like need to be open to new information you like if you if you think you don't know things that you'll ask questions, you'll be curious, you'll be open, you'll like learn. Um and I think that's ultimately much better skill than having all the expertise to start the thing that you're starting. Um, because ultimately no one knows. Like ultimately no one knows a pandemic is gonna come at the exact time it is like you can't predict everything. Um and so like I think having the skill of like, you know what, like I'm just gonna accept that I don't know anything. Um and that I'm just gonna learn everything and just stay open and stay curious, um, that's a skill in and of itself. And I think If you lean into that um, and lean into that feeling and allow that sort of like anxiety or like um, a little bit of stress to actually propel you further and push you further and like make you um, dig a little deeper beneath the surface, I think that's going to lead you in good stead. I think sort of like secondary to that, one of the best advice um, that I wish I got earlier was actually from our product lead. Um, like a product manager. So and a lot of product managers think this way. It's like, instead of thinking solution first, you should think problem first. You should listen to the problems. And I think as founders often, it's like, you have this idea, you have this vision for what you want to build. And it's beautiful. It's like, all the things are built, all the like features are built. It's like shiny, it's magnificent. It's like amazing, right? But at the end of the day, potentially no one will care. Um, And so like, start with the problem like and I've had so many instances where I haven't done this because like you just chase that shiny thing you chase this like idea you have and you're like it has to work and so what you end up doing is like you start with a solution and you try to go find a problem that solves it and then try to fit it in this like business that you have and hope it works um like sometimes you'll get a break and like that will work but oftentimes if you don't start with a problem you are actually just like not optimizing the right solution um and like that's been like drilled into me a lot by my product manager but like I really wish that I got that advice really really early on so that we were not just like like, we're gonna build this gonna do this and then this and this Um, like just start with like what you're solving and be really focused on that and build ideas around the problems rather than problems around the ideas I think the third one would just be like surround yourself with like the right people I think this comes back to like this imposter syndrome like if you are the person in the room that knows everything and that thinks they, like, have the answers to everything, you probably don't have the right team or, like, you're not hiring the right people because you should put people around you that will help you make decisions, that will challenge you, that are specialists in their field because, like, you're not going to be a specialist in everything or anything in my case. Like, I'm a total generalist. I don't know anything about marketing, anything about engineering, <laughs> anything about operations, anything about anything, really. Like, I just ask a lot of questions. Um, and put things together and so like surround yourself with people that can make those decisions for you and then you go be the glue that like makes it all happen and like puts everything together but um like yeah like bringing those people don't just bring in people to do the work that you tell them to um like bring people who will like have a voice and like use that voice to make you better um and hopefully push your business forward and push your decisions forward and push your thinking forward and help you grow along the way because like you ultimately aren't going to know
0: everything when you start. So well said. Oh, Nicole, it's been absolutely awesome. And before I ask you the final question, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, for showing us, and particularly us, you know, women of colour and young women, that if we have a goal, if we have that vision for ourselves, we actually can go out there and make it happen. It's not impossible, although it may be hard. (laughs) And for that, we really appreciate you.
1: Thank you, I appreciate that.
0: Amazing. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, and that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about?
1: That's a good question. I think the value of like pursuing what you're most passionate about is just like actually, like this sounds so cliche and cheesy, but like just happiness. Like if you actually take a step back and like think about how much time you spend at work. Like typical person will spend at least five days out of seven days in a week per year, each week of the year at work. Mm-hmm. And you basically have the choice to do something you'd like or do something you don't like. And if you're consciously making a choice to do something you don't like, you're probably spending a lot of your time, a lot of your life doing something you don't like. Um, like it's as simple as that, right? So if you can actually find something that like doesn't feel like work and feels like living feels like learning feels like an adventure like you'll just be a lot happier because like you're meeting really cool people you're like feeling excited all the time you're learning new things you're getting challenged in the right ways you're like working on something you actually care about um like that's a total privilege and I think like often people think they don't have those choices but I think like if you try to step out of your comfort zone or like take some risks sometimes or Um, even just try and de-risk certain scenarios where like you can get those opportunities to like test the waters you'll find a lot more space for yourself to like actually do those things Um, and I think ultimately like the reward is that you get to do those things um, and just be happier
0: I love it oh Nicole thank you so much we have had an absolute blast where can we learn more about you and Kim Fertility
1: Cool. Um, So you can find me basically living in Kin um, at kinfertility.com.au and we're on Insta as well, so um, kin.fertility.
0: Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest beer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com, or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.